Hey everyone, welcome to the Ocean Lovers Podcast. I'm Kirsty, and I'm currently majoring in marine biology. And I'm Erica and I work as a naturalist and marine science educator. Every week we chat about lots of ocean related topics and have special guests join us to talk about why they love the ocean and what they do to protect it. We hope you enjoy this episode, so let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Ocean Lovers Podcast. I'm Kirsty. And I'm Erica. And today it's Erica times two again. We have <laughs> Erica Worth from Breaching Extinction Podcast with us. Hello. And today we're doing a fun episode. Um, kind of similar to last week, but we're talking about the second episode of the, um, what is it? Secrets? Secrets of the Whales. What is, yeah, <laughs> Secrets of the Whales on Disney+. Plus. <clears throat> and last week we did an episode about orcas and mm-hmm. their different feeding strategies. And this week we're going to be talking about humpbacks and their yes. communication. And I'm excited because humpbacks are probably my awesome. favorite whale. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So before we get started, let's talk about our sponsor and our Patreon page. So for our sponsor, I say this every week, you guys probably already know, but if you're new here, welcome to the Ocean Lovers Podcast. And we are mm-hmm. sponsored by Blackfin Coffee. And so is Erica, Erica Worth from Breaching Extinction. She's also sponsored by Blackfin po- Coffee, and they are also teamed up and doing uh, a cam- campaign for um, the Southern residents. So definitely check out Breaching Extinction for that. Um, but yeah, we're sponsored by Blackfin and they are amazing. They're an e-commerce coffee roasting brand based out of Seattle, Washington. Brian and Nicole are absolutely amazing. Their coffee is really good. We absolutely love it. And they, we were really inspired by how they wanted to partner up with PNW protectors. And if you guys don't know who they are, they are trying to spread awareness about the Southern residents, uh, orcas in the Pacific Northwest because they are endangered right now. And we're trying to get the word out about that. So if you can be sure to uh, visit um, PNW protectors, go follow them. But we do have a coupon code. If you guys want to try Blackfin coffee, they have a line of PNW protectors, three different coffees you guys can choose from. And the code for that is ocean lovers 20. If you guys want to try it and hundred percent of the proceeds for any of those three coffees uh, goes towards the PNW protectors, which is a big deal. And we really love it. So I hope you guys can check it out. Uh, you can visit www.blackfin.coffee. And again, our code or your 20% off code would be ocean lovers 20 at checkout. So thanks Blackfin. Yes. And we also, if you guys would like to support the podcast, we always appreciate you guys listening and subscribing and giving us a review and visiting our social media pages that all helps to support and spread the word um, and get the podcast out there. But if you want to get even deeper into it, we do have a Patreon page where you can subscribe. We have different tiers with different perks. So we love our Patreons, patrons, and thank you guys so much. Thank you. (laughs) All right. right. But we will dive in. So what were you guys' overall thoughts on this episode? Oh wow. man, yeah, that was awesome. I know. Just, yeah. It's it's hard. It, they I don't think that they could have done a bad job because of no. school, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I learned a lot too, which I was really excited about. Um, because I love humpback whales and I t- talk about them for a living. 
And so when I get new information that I get to teach people on the boat, it's really fun for me. And I'm excited to talk about some of the things that I learned. Um, but we can kind of go in order. So I like how they're keeping the consistency throughout yeah. the episodes of having like different parts of the world and showing yeah. the different behaviors and different uh, like cultures of the whales around the world. And this week they started in Alaska and the whole episode was kind of centered around how humpback whales communicate with each other. That was the theme, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, last week it was the feeding strategies that they would use between different orca pods and ecotypes. Um, but yeah, in Alaska, they started out talking about bubble net feeding, which I believe oh we've talked gosh. about before yes. <laughs> on the podcast. Um, but basically where humpback whales will dive down below a school of schooling fish, it could be sardines, anchovies. In this case, it was herring blowing bubbles in circles around it. And then they make a feeding call. So they, they communicate constantly underwater to coordinate and make sure they don't bump into each other and tell them where to go. And um, then they scoop them up. They jump through the surface with their mouths open, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it's on but my yeah. bucket list to see bubble net feeding. And Christian's like, we have to go. Because he, I feel- so I watched this already. And then before we jumped on the podcast, I asked Christian if he wanted to watch it with me. And yeah, we watched it together. And it's just, oh, there's so many things. I'm like, it's can we sudden. go do that? Can it's- we go do that? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even, I think. I didn't even realize how lucky I was when I was doing it. But when I was doing my research in Canada, that's what we saw all day, every day, right offshore, like right off the, the cliffs that we would watch them bubble net feed for like 12 hours a day. Oh my and gosh. we had, we had hydrophones in the water the whole time. So we were listening and watching all day long bubble net feeding. And it's like maybe 20 whales that have been doing this together for 20 something years or longer and they know each other so well and they know how to work together so mm-hmm. well. And it was so interesting because sometimes there would be like a new whale and it would be like learning how to do it. Or sometimes they just didn't even want others to join. They would kind of like not let them. Yeah. Um, but the what time, what time of the year make, does that happen in Canada? Um, I was there from, what was it? I went there in, I think May to July. Oh, okay. So May, June, July, I was there and that's when it was going on. Mm. And it was so amazing. You would see the bubbles rise up. You would see the bubble surfacing. And then we were also listening so we could hear their call and you, you know what the call sounds like when they're about to rise up. It literally sounds like a cartoon. It's like, and then they're up and it's like (laughs) the coolest thing. And yeah, the footage that they got for the documentary was amazing amazing yes especially mm-hmm. with the, what, the um the juvenile nursing oh my god I know so cute and they had the little camera on them oh my god baby yeah what I thought was interesting and really cool was the underwater footage of them bubble net feeding because I remember back th- I did this in t- 2015 and back then there was no underwater footage of bubble net feeding mm. yet And that was only six years ago. Yeah. Huh. That's crazy. So I saw that and I was like, ah, they figured it out. They can (laughs) do it now. I can see it now. (laughs) Yeah. And back then too was when drones were just starting to be used for whale stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, it's just crazy how much changes in a short amount of time when it comes to like marine science. I love it. Yeah. 
yeah that's awesome but yeah what do you do but yeah i i thought it was good i thought like i mean humpbacks are objectively the best whale (laughs) i know know. Um, no questions asked (laughs) yeah they're the best whale and so obviously this was gonna well actually i don't think that this was the best out of the four but i think it definitely was awesome but the humpbacks are the best whale so which one was the best one and like i i what i liked too is i didn't know about them using coral to like oh, that was where gosh. yeah i was gonna go to that one in a minute um, that blew my mind that was me that too was, and the fact that they started out with it and i was like oh, okay because they said that you know stories say that they do this and the fact that they got footage of it i was like oh, yeah gosh, just to explain insane. what what we're talking about the next lo- like location that they went in the world was the cook islands mm-hmm. and basically yeah whales have figured out how to use coral reefs as like an amphitheater to communicate farther distances and louder and bring attention to themselves. So they'll, the video showed a whale basically head first underwater vertical with its nose pointing down in the center of this bowl of coral, a huge like football field length thing of coral. And it was making calls and it was just like reverberating and yeah, they boost their sound to amplify it. I'm reading my notes in the video they said it works like an opera house and in my note I wrote Oprah house perfect (laughs) if if it were to be like a celebrity the humpbacks would be like Oprah because like they're giving they're super giving or they might be like Dolly Parton because Dolly Parton (laughs) or maybe Oprah's house just is like an amphitheater and echoes well oh yeah who knows but anyway yeah, that was so cool. I had no, I had never heard that before that they do that. So that was really cool. Yeah. yeah. I was really intrigued about how they are all coming together in Antarctica. Let me mm. scroll down to my notes because I mean, I knew about like their migration patterns. I just didn't know that they all congregated to this one area in that big of numbers. And so that mm. was crazy to like a hundred. I think they said like a hundred thousand whales. I thought it was more. I thought it was three hundred thousand. Mm. I don't know. I'll have to. Look I'll have that. to look that up. But yeah, the the map sort of when they showed how all the yes. places in the southern hemisphere they go to Australia, Africa, South America, all the places. Yeah, and they all go down to Antarctica for the feeding season. Um, different parts of Antarctica, but some of them do overlap, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Like some populations from like, I don't know, Africa and South America are meeting at the same place in Antarctica. So that's like genetic diversity yeah. and all that good stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, that was incredible. And down in, uh, Antarctica is where they feed on krill. And I liked how they talked about krill too, how they're like two inches long <laughs> for these, huge whales, but they eat them by up to about 5,000 pounds of food every single day. And their feeding season is about four months. And something that I didn't know was humpback whales can gain 12 pounds of body weight per hour. Mm -hmm. I knew that it was like a lot, but (laughs) that's a lot. Right. When you consider like the how much you lose by excreting stuff as well they're yeah. still packing on 12 pounds of body weight that's insane yeah because uh, krill are like these little tiny things but 
another thing that I thought was fascinating and people ask about this on the boat sometimes when I mention how much blue whales, for example, have to eat like 6,000 pounds of food a day or 8,000 a lot. Um, they're like, oh, wow, it's just amazing that there's actually that much food in the ocean. But in the, in the episode, they said that by mass, krill outweigh the entire human population on earth by more than 19 million tons. So that 19 or 90. Maybe it was nine. No, I thought it was 19. I don't know. Hmm. Maybe it was 90. I wrote 19, but, <laughs> um, but that's a lot. Either way, there's more, way more krill by yes. weight on the planet than humans, which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought it was really cute too, showing how the little baby whale learned to bubble net feed. I, I never know. really considered um because they're just they're so floppy and like little <laughs> and they're like little babies when they're young and born and I didn't even really ever think in my head like oh they have to practice and learn how to blow bubbles in a pattern like that mm-hmm. they don't just automatically know they have to learn that from their mom and it's wild that they learn how to be a whale in a year I know that's I know crazy. that's we don't even learn how to human in 18 years. I was I thinking about that. Learn how to human in like 40 years, to be completely <laughs> honest. But that's yeah. I don't know if anyone ever learns really. But... I know, right? Jesus. Yeah, that's it's really cool. I mean, like I think we're seeing too, like through this whole entire series, like that you know there is cultural transmission, like vertically and horizontally, and mm-hmm. that it's important, you know to like that you know it's important to keep these whales around so that we can continue to pass on culture across whales um but and it's so cute to see the little babies okay it's just to crazy clarify, it's 90 million oh okay i just Good. i just wanted to no i'm glad because <laughs> i wasn't That's... sure i'm like because even when i watched it i was like did they say 19 i was even questioning myself i was like wait a minute Well, good that's a ton <laughs> good the more krill the better right um <laughs> But what is crazy to think about is, yeah, you talked about the cultural transmission of whales. How much whale culture was lost due to whaling? Like oh, so much knowledge. Question. Yeah, yeah that's so I much. Wonder that about like the orcas, you know, with the Penco captor- captures. Wow. Yeah. Talk um, in Washington. <laughs> that is so interesting. Like, hmm. I mean at least like so what we know like I don't know with the southern residents is like we know a lot about their family groups and there are different whales that were taken like Lolita's still at the Miami Seaquarium and everything but like she does have relatives that are still alive but I wonder how much that culture changed I don't think we'll I mean there's no way that we could ever know realistically yeah yeah not really which is sad um but yeah that's that's interesting but the other the one place that we haven't talked about yet was Western Australia, the population mm-hmm. of humpbacks there, they talked about their different ways of communication, one being body language, which we talk about on the boat as well. Yeah. When whales breach, it's most likely that there, there could be many reasons and we don't know for sure, but it could be communication. It makes such a loud noise under the surface and travels really far and whales can hear them from all over. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they're saying, whether it's like, Hey, I found some good food or stay yeah. away from here. Or how did you guys wanna- feel about that? the way they said it in the documentary that was the only thing that stood out to me I want to say um just they 
just said like uh what did they say the, um the humpback breaching is did it say like it's a way like, to communicate like they just kind of picked one thing instead of like making it very broad because we don't know exactly mm-hmm. why they do it and that's what you know we've told people on the podcast that's kind of what people say on you know naturalists say on whale watching yeah because we don't it might just know. so it might just was, be their number one theory but yeah you're yeah. right I mean it is hard to say anything like exactly what yeah. they're doing because we don't know yeah but I think they were just showing that that is one way that they mm-hmm. use to communicate is like splashing and slapping their fins down and they have the largest fins of all whales and yeah and I 100 does make a lot of noise that that is definitely one way they communicate because Erica, whenever um, we went out with my in-laws <laughs> towards the end of the trip, there was, I think, one or two humpbacks pretty farther away by another whale watching boat. And then there was two or three by ours and one breached, it would breach over by the boat and then they lunge fed by our boat. And then I want to say even one of them breached at one point after the other one breached. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely some form of communication for sure. And Mm -hmm. it's pretty interesting when you actually see it. I know like we tend to see, and this is anecdotal. This is not like there's no scientific documentation of this, like, but um, that the humpbacks that we see here in Monterey, we see them breach more when it's like windy out. And when yeah. it's choppier. And so the theory that we have is that they're trying to communicate because maybe it's harder to hear underneath the water or something like that. Yeah. But, oh. but yeah, I mean, I've... we definitely don't know. I think we could, like, it's interesting to see, like, you know how you had said, like, six years ago, we didn't even have this footage. Like, there's so much that we're learning. And I think we think we know so much, but there's so much we don't know. Mm-hmm. And I think it'll be interesting to see in six years what we do know. And like, yeah what ways we can figure out maybe why they breach. I like the three main theories. Like I tell people on my boat, I'm like the theories that we have for it is to communicate with each other mm-hmm. um, for it being social is another one. And then potentially to dislodge barnacles. Those are like, yeah. mm-hmm. that's what I say too. So, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I've seen, I've definitely seen that trend as well. When the wind picks up and it gets blowier and choppier, that seems to be better <laughs> breaching weather and mm-hmm. it is a it is a trend like it definitely is I don't know what science is behind it but with a lot of people say that that's what they've noticed yeah. as well that's um good. and then on the other end of that what I thought was so cute is baby whales and mommies whisper to each other and it's a full 40 decibels lower than normal whale communication right. um they just make soft little noises so sweet I know. and the babies have to learn how to talk just like a little human yeah, yeah. so, so cute. cute I think um, it was like interesting when they said um sometimes they tail lob to get the baby to come back and it made me think of like a very mm. specific day that I had on the water um where I we had mom and calf and like we had so many friendly humpbacks last year oh my god amazing way to rub it in yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> peanut butter and jealous peanut butter and jelly <laughs> i <laughs> am anywho but yeah no so they like we're up with the boat like playing like so what we do is when we say we have a friendly whale that means that like we see the whales approaching closer than like what we're legally allowed to get to them and when they start to approach us like that we shut the engines off we chill 
Um, and then they play hide and seek and they're really bad at it because they're <laughs> predictable, but we, we won't tell them that they don't have to know that we, <laughs> they're going to pop up. Um, anywho, but I thought of one day that there was this baby, like, and it kept coming up to the boat and like mom kept coming in and trying to like get in between the boat and the baby and like push baby away. And like, she came so close to the boat at one point. I think she was like, just so sick of her baby trying to play with us. So she was like, oh. so close to the boat. And I was like, like, we were like, oh my God. Like, like we kept trying to like, we were like, like when they would go away, we would slowly try to go away. And then we would notice the baby coming back every time. And like, oh. when they do that, we have to shut the engines off because it's like a safety thing. But um, it's yeah it's, it made me think of that I was like yeah we've seen that a couple times on the modern day moms. like I get know. your little fluke right over here uh, oh that's cute that is cute um, do you want to talk about whale song that was yes. another sort of thing they talked about in the western Australia one which yes of course humpback whales are probably most well known and most famous for singing yeah it was really interesting the 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 amount that it travels and how many males like it because I believe they first start they oh my gosh I can't talk tonight they first started talking about the pods that were in the western part of Australia right Mm -hmm. and then um then they started going into talking about the eastern part and it's crazy to think that it traveled so far down to that pod if not further because there was another Mm -hmm. um humpback where did they find it was that the one in the was that the one in cook islands do you guys remember there was another humpback Mm. that um the whale biologist uh she was was using the hydrophone yes okay oh that's right yeah Yeah. she was using the hydrophone to see if that male even you know used if it was the same song And she put him like, you know, next to each other and played it. And you could just, it was funny when she was like, yes, yes. Christian was like, Kirsty, that is so you. Uh, (laughs) We get along. I know. Um, Um, But I thought that was so interesting the way that it travels like that and how it changes a little bit each year too. So so they start out with like the male humpbacks and then they kind of put their own variations in it. And then from there Mm -hmm. they create the new song of the year and then from there it goes into you know other males will kind of join in and they follow along with it and they kind of spread it around and it's so crazy how similar yeah. it is but, but yet they do add their own like little variations depending on like where they are but that, yeah it's that like was- a slowly evolving song over time and basically yeah. all the humpbacks within a population like within an ocean are generally singing the same song and <sighs> they're it's mind-blowing to most people because like how it just goes to show like there is so much that we don't know these whales are so social more social than even I knew I they really like put that in my mind yeah because a lot of times I'll tell people that whale like baleen whales are generally solitary but not really I mean they do travel alone but they spend a lot of time socializing with each other and communicating with each other and maybe it feels like they're solitary to me because they're not right next to each other but you're a whale. You can communicate hundred miles away from each other. So maybe they do consider themselves together, even if they're not together. Um, but yeah, it's so incredible how their songs, they improvise, they make a little tweak to this, to their whale song. I think if it's successful in getting them a mate, then all the other males will join in and make that same little tweak. 
so in general they're singing the same song but it's just slowly changing over time yeah yeah it's so cool it was really neat it was the whole documentary overall was just really fascinating but there again like you said in the beginning of the podcast like there was a lot of little things that I just had no idea about and it was it was it was yeah it was really interesting but going off of what you said about um how they're solitary um James Cameron at the end of the episode he mentioned how these these animals these humpbacks can easily like feed on their own that you know they could do the well some of them can do the bubble knitting on their own but they choose to work together and they choose to go to the you know this one part of the world and feed and um and I thought it was really crazy when he mentioned in the documentary how when they go up to uh what was it Antarctica that or was it Alaska or I think both um, how they're not even all family and I was they're really, really sh- none of them are yeah, yeah so I was like really shocked to know or to hear that they're literally like just just randomly working together to do like bubble net feeding but yet they weren't together before and they're coming together yeah in this some of them part. come back together though every single yeah. year so like they have long lasting relationships they are like best friends um, a lot of times unrelated. I am always so curious though, what the relationship is between mother and calves as they get old. Like, do they meet up? They probably, they migrate to the same places. I would so, think so. I would think so too. But why is there no, have exactly. there been studies? I mean, I, I don't think there've been studies on that specifically, but like, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like hard to document because Happy it whales. is like maybe yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> happy whale's a great place for that. That was like great, yeah. But like realistically, like like if a humpback whale is about to go down to like an area where they're gonna socialize, they could probably interact with like ten different whales in the span of like an hour. You know, like yeah. I mean, that's like a very highly social whale right there. But like you know, so to have somebody around the whole time, like you know, I don't know if they could if they would like, I mean, it would be hard to do a study like that unless you're like around them Them all the time, knowing where they are tracking them. Yeah. There are some places though, that maybe there just hasn't been enough time to study it and nobody's been studying it for long enough. But I think that over time, maybe in six more years, we'll know if they meet back up. I wonder if there's ever, I'm sure there's been documented cases before. There's gotta be like at least one where a mother and calf were spotted later in life, maybe? I don't there, know. There probably has to be at least one out there. Like, I, I, it probably does exist. We just mm-hmm. probably don't know. Um, yeah. My thing is too, and this just popped in my head, like, let's say the mom has a uh, male calf. Let's say it's a long, <laughs> 10 years down the road. Do they know, like, not to mate with each other? Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. <laughs> I'm they sorry. would probably that's just like I would assume it's like they just have like to be able to like, identify them right or oh, they all have unique like names for each other and stuff okay. like that I don't know necessarily about okay. I know like orcas do because don't they say like okay. seals do that like they don't even like seals are just like come here those are ding-dongs Totally <laughs> not okay so this is like a like a small side story for and oh. it's like, here we go human behavior to whale so I don't know how <laughs> is. But I know someone who was dating somebody 
and they showed up at a family reunion and they'd been dating for a while and then they ran into the person they were dating at a family reunion and then <gasps> that they were related but it was it was by marriage but still okay it could happen it could happen I mean it wouldn't surprise me if it's happened before yeah. it has happened before there's been like yeah. adopted siblings who didn't know that they were brother and sister and they were together and I think they were married and then they found out that they were brother and sister and they stayed married yeah yeah um, I mean so I'm sure a whale has done it let's be real let's, <laughs> let's be real that's funny who knows anyway, they're, they're probably where my thoughts go <laughs> that's where my thoughts go <laughs> but that's kind of all I had um just a question for you Erica so you said that this wasn't the best of the four episodes I've only so far seen the orcas and the humpbacks which one was Same. your favorite the belugas really yeah. That one's next, I think, for us. It is, yeah. We have belugas and sperm whales left. Yeah. The I'm belugas, excited. I mean, belugas were my first whale ever that I've ever seen Aww. in the wild. Um, That's so cool. And But also, like, oh, my God, they're so stinking cute. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. And the narwhals that made, like, a guest appearance, that, that was pretty oh. awesome. Oh, cool. What was the, I guess this is, like, spoiler alert, but what was the theme of that one um the theme of that one I so I watched this like I think like two months ago when they sent me the email um and so I just went back and rewatched humpbacks today so I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch the belugas before we do that one um but yeah I don't I don't recall I remember them I I don't want to avoid yeah We'll watch it and we won't spoil it for the listeners. But yeah, if you guys haven't seen the episode yet, I highly encourage you to watch it. It's delightful and yeah. it makes me happy. It was. It was Whale a really stuff good, makes me happy. It was a, it, and like you said, Erica, the way that they're um, spreading it out with like the different pods and the different locations, I think that's really mm-hmm. cool that they're doing that. Hopefully, for I'm assuming for every episode. Yeah. So that's really cool. I am really enjoying these episodes. I, kind of want to go back and watch them again but I'm really excited for belugas and I am so excited for sperm whales and actually me too interesting I don't know like I didn't know that much about sperm whales before really okay I know a little bit just based off of the other documentary watch but I don't really know much about belugas so I'm actually really excited to watch that because probably out of all the animals of these series belugas is probably the least that I know about so I'm actually like really curious to learn more about them in the next episode me too yeah cool well thank you guys so much for listening let us know what you think if you do watch the documentary and yeah we will chat with you guys next week yep next week we will do belugas all right bye guys (laughs) bye thanks for listening to this episode and don't forget to follow us on instagram at ocean lovers podcast For more ways to support our podcast, subscribe to our Patreon for additional content and special perks. Thanks so much for your support and catch a new episode every Friday.